0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Unlimited Horizons, the podcast by the International Association of Women. My name is Megan Pizzuto. I serve as the president of IAW and get to be your host today. I have a fantastic guest lined up to share with you today. I'm so excited. Nikki Childers is joining us. Nikki currently works as the director of partnerships at IAW on my team. She joined my team just a few months ago, and we love, love, love having her here. Um, she currently resides in Las Vegas after spending the past seven years in Chicago. During her time in Chicago, Nikki obtained her BA, MM, and JD while interning and working for the Chicago Sky of the WNBA, the Women's National Basketball Association. While in law school, Nikki was a two L class senator that fought against racial intimidation and discrimination that occurred at the law school and received her certificate in intellectual pop- property, all while working full time as a business development associate for the Sky. In her role in business development, Nikki created the Clean Slate Summit and Resource Fair, focusing on youth expungement and wraparound services for the youth of Chicago. Nikki, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. I know I kind of cut your story off there because I want you to talk a little bit more about your time in Chicago and specifically what you did with this, with the, the youth program and how that shaped you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to do this. Um, with the Chicago uh, summit. So in Chicago's an interesting city, the dynamic between the youth and police um, historically has always been rocky. And even in today's society, we see that reflected. Um, and so there were a couple of issues that just your general local kid was facing when they went to school. Their hall monitor was a police officer. And so then like when they would be done with school and then they go out into the the streets or they're living their lives, that same officer is still on duty. And now they're patrolling in the streets. And it created a very interesting dynamic. Um, On top of that, add that Illinois has a point-based system. So any interaction that the youth had with police counts at a point or some fraction of a point. And if you get so many points, you have to serve time or, or pay fines. Um, And it was a, it's a problem that's kind of destroying communities there. And so being in law school, I had seen that there was an automatic expungement bill that had just gotten passed. Uh, And so I questioned if this was just passed, why isn't the solution? Why aren't we seeing that? Why is this still a problem? Um, And I did some research and it wasn't really being utilized. They passed a bill and they weren't doing it. So I went to the sky and I said, Hey, you know, underneath the cloak of sports, which is so unifying, can we have a real life impact for our fans um, and really kind of target their real life issues? It's the first domino. I viewed it as the first domino that fell in a lifelong secular uh, problem. Um, And, I got the the agreement to kind of go ahead and and do what I could, and we started a juvenile expungement summit, and we were able to expunge the most juveniles at one time so far amazing. ever. That was amazing. Cool.
0: That's yeah. really really cool. What a meaningful project! Like, it what was- a, a great community impact. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was awesome being able to talk to the kids that were there or the juveniles or the now adults that had these juvenile records that were holding them back. And those shared experiences was super impactful. And it really kind of changed how I looked at business going forward, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Love that. So also while in law school, you became a mom. I think a, a very important thing to talk about is <laughs> that, that transition to motherhood while you're still balancing a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was crazy.
0: Um, and so then you say in Chicago. Uh, you you moved on to DePaul University Athletic Program. Um, and tell us about your time at DePaul.
1: DePaul was great. I went to DePaul Law. So to be able to now run their sponsorship for athletics was a great kind of full circle moment is what it felt like. Um, and really able to now kind of ask the alumni, how can the university serve them? Um, I was able to forge great relationships with Mark McGuire is now one of a close friend of mine. He's a, a fantastic individual and he's a, For basketball people out there, he was a prominent basketball figure and really gave name to DePaul being a a dominant force of sports and and basketball, especially in Chicago. And then he rode off into the sunset and never went into the Hall of Fame. And it was kind of like this moment that now I was able to use the platform of DePaul University to help him get into the Hall of Fame and kind of pay it backwards and forwards to him for all that he had done. Um, And that felt great. So I, I loved
0: my time at DePaul. (laughs) Awesome. And then you returned back home to Las Vegas to work for the Las Vegas desert dogs of the national lacrosse league. Um, we're there and then we brought you to IAW. Yes. (laughs) Which I'm thrilled about. (laughs) Um, tell me about the move back to Las Vegas and how that felt. I was excited professionally I played lacrosse
1: growing up and in college, um, so I was proud and I was the first Division one scholarship from the state so I was proud to then come back and bring the first professional team. But Vegas held a lot of also then personal trauma for me. So I knew it was a point of healing. I knew that coming here, I was going to have to try to forge the progression of my career while dealing with past trauma and healing. Um, And I knew that was going to serve for an interesting situation. Um, And I'm super happy that I did it.
0: Good, good. I like that. So one of the things you shared in in your introduction and bio with me, the power and productivity that comes when working in a healthy and supportive environment has re-energized Nikki to reach new heights. And yeah. I love this because my, so I lead IAW and we brought you onto the team and to hear somebody saying that that's how they're feeling really feeds my soul, right? That makes me feel really good about what we're doing here. But talk to me about your experience at IAW so far and this, the the power and productivity that you find.
1: Man, this is, this is exciting. Um <laughs> The, the best way I can explain it is uh, if you've had a serial series of, of bad relationships and the The kind of self doubt that you start to accumulate of yourself when you go from these back to back relationships, and I say them, it could be personal relationships. Sometimes it's like trauma, but when it becomes an accumulation of back to back, um, you start to really kind of question yourself. And you look in the mirror, and your already existing imposter syndrome elevates and it expands. And next thing you know, you're just like, you know, they were all right, Um, and so to now be in a place. And in a feeling where, one, I feel very aligned to what my job is. Um, that's a big deal about it. I don't feel like I have to use the cloak of something to bring about change. I I don't have to hide that. I can just bring about change. Um, but at the, the, the same time, I get to kind of reflect and realize that I am powerful. I, I am capable. I am great. They were wrong, right? And, and now... What does that look like once you can kind of come out of that? Um, yeah. and so far it's been really exciting. I I'm excited to work. It doesn't feel like I used to hate when people say if you find something that you like, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, that's that's lame. You know, we all <laughs> need a <laughs> paycheck at the end of the day. Yeah. But this is the first time that, that makes sense to me. Like I start, I understand what they're trying to say in that yeah. statement um yeah. based off of here. It feels very aligned. Um, and I feel, I feel seen, I feel like it matters to you that I feel good, um, each day. And that's, that's interesting. That's very cool.
0: Yeah. And that, I guess that goes to my personal values and likely how I have felt as an employee in other places. Cause I, when we talk about imposter syndrome and that, that. That spot in your head where, when you when you keep having crappy things happen, or you keep encountering the wrong people, or you don't feel supported, or you just feel like you're kind of on a, a dead path to nowhere with your career or anything in your personal journey, at some point we all get there in our head where it's like, oh well, it's me, right? It must right. be me. And I think I'm a big believer in you have to put the work in. You have you do have to take a hard look in the mirror and do those assessments and figure out what your strengths are and where you need to improve and there there is value in doing that work but you also have to get out of your own way and yeah. so often we end up in our own way as a leader my one of the things that that i take pride in is really making sure that I'm leading from a place where I understand my employees and what they need and what they value. And it's, it's part of being seen. Like we, we talk a lot about diversity, right. And, and your, your viewpoint is completely different. than We're both women, but -hmm. we've had different experiences and I'm here to, to learn and understand and listen, not to tell you how to do something differently. I'm here to support and, and help encourage and guide, but never to say, well, this is what's wrong, or this is what you need to do differently. Um, which and is I
1: unique it in work. itself. Can I just say that, right? Like so commonly, it's, it's so interesting. When, I, when we speak and we have conversations and we're talking in particular about uh, Black women equalities or just what it is to be in a workplace, whenever the topic of something Black women happens, you actually become quieter. Mm-hmm. Uh, most spaces, it's amazing I've been in where the topic of that intersectionality comes up. And it's like the room gets so loud. And and for you to take the separate a different approach of hey I'm here to listen and figure out how can I support and then actually help you implement that um, it it speaks volumes right it's been a very unique and great experience I feel I feel healthy
0: I think I do that because I've been in a position where men have tried to tell me what to do based on their understanding of my experience. And it drives me crazy when a man says, well, you must have done this wrong, or you must be doing this wrong, or you must like, it just, it drives me crazy. And so I, but this podcast isn't about me. It's about you. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Um, But I do think we have a great dynamic working together. And that's, that's one of the things that's, that's really powerful here. Um, Now in your journey, do you feel like there have been consistent challenges along the way, or is it, I I know one of the things you said, the constantly feeling like you needed to be 10% better to receive half as much. Yeah. Talk to me about that a little bit.
1: That's a very common narrative in a lot of uh, minority households. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just something that we're told when you're younger uh, in order to get The same as our counterparts, you have to work twice as harder or you have to, you know, we we have very little room for error is the messaging that you're kind of being taught when you grow up as a minority. I was always aware that my my father, my dad used to let me know I was a two-strike minority. I'm a woman and I'm Black. So you walk around knowing that you've always got the two strikes against you, that last strike how do you want to play that? Right. Um, And so that was always something that you kind of took forward. And that kind of explained all of the degrees. I felt like I needed to have the bachelor's with the master's dual program in order to be the same as a bachelor's degree. I didn't do that to try to beat out an MBA person. I was trying to be seen and get hired over somebody who just had a bachelor's. And so just this constant feeling of you've got to do more to just kind of get the same Mm -hmm. Uh, and then to walk into most spaces and be the youngest has been an additional obstacle to have to overcome because now everybody's got a reason why I shouldn't be there. Right. I remember before I got serious with my life and career, I was a team lead at TELUS International and I was doing like online customer support for Kmart. Okay, So I'm, I'm working and I get promoted to run the team. And I'm like, I'm not even 21 at the time. I may be 19. And everybody on this group, are much senior people in general career and life. Uh, And then I had to make employee cuts and fire them being the super young kid doing it at the time. That's been a very consistent thing. I've always found myself to be the youngest plus then having the two strikes has always been a thing. And it's just, it's always, and then you've got some men who want you in the room because they like to look at you being in the room. And that's another obstacle because I think I deserve to be in the room. Right. And you kind of feel like the joke's on you once you realize that, no, they just brought me here because they wanted to look at me for the past two hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of that kind of bubbles to this feel of you've got to work 10 times harder to get half as much, not even them equal.
0: We're going to take a quick break to talk about the International Association of Women. We talk a lot about the challenges women face, and we know that the best way to overcome challenges is with a supportive community by your side. The International Association of Women is here to support you throughout your professional journey. No matter where you're at in your career or business, IAW has the resources, tools, programming, and events to help you make progress towards your goals. This includes frequent networking events where you can show up authentically and share your ask with the community, a resource library filled with ebooks and templates, and monthly workshops and webinars that are geared towards helping you maximize your potential. Visit www.iawomen.com to learn more about the IAW community and how IAW will help you fast track your success. All right, let's get back to the show. So do you think that that working 10 times harder, like, are there other things that you do to overcome this? Because I, I, one of the things that I like to guide listeners on this podcast is maybe it doesn't have to be as hard for you, right? Do you think the working 10 X harder is always the answer? Or do you think, are you finding other solutions, other ways to overcome that, that feeling of, of being half as much?
1: Yeah, um this is probably the cheesiest thing i can say, but talking to people and connecting and sharing vulnerability has let me know that i'm not alone in that. Yep. Um walking into the room and even it could be a bunch of women in the room and feeling like you're a small group of minority of that women, you're really not. Um yeah. and you don't really understand that until you start to have those conversations. Um And sometimes I actually I call myself out on it, so I'll walk up to somebody and just say, like, "Hey, so I notice I'm the only black woman here. This is kind of weird, right? like how are you doing tonight?" And you try to and I realize that everybody is kind of feeling this. No matter, no matter where your walk is, no matter what your situation is, we all kind of have these moments where we feel like we shouldn't be in this room or we were told that we shouldn't be in this room. And that also was with men too. I don't think it's exclusive. I don't think it, it's singling. Um, and that's been something I've learned as I've gotten later into my career that I don't actually have to work 10 times as harder, but I have to be willing to open myself up and be vulnerable and talk about it and express where I need help and how I could, you know, be better integrated in it.
0: Yeah. And I think that a big part of that is being in those comfortable places, finding your community. We talk a lot about community, right? And finding those communities, those rooms where you feel like you can show up and be vulnerable. And it may not happen in every room you're in, but if you have a supportive place you can go back to, That helps for me to get out of my own way. Like I get stuck in my head all the time. I don't believe I don't belong in this place. How did I get here? Why am I doing this? Um, but I have a core group of people I go back to, and I, I will be very open and honest with them about how I am feeling. And they lead me down a path of, you shouldn't be feeling that way. Like I'm going to give you five reasons you shouldn't feel that way. Right. So that's where, I personally think surrounding yourself with community and and positive places where you can turn to and say this is what's going on and why am I feeling this way um it's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Um one of the one of the things you added here a tip that you'd you'd offer if someone else can why not you? If they can talk like that, dress like that, make that amount be selfish, take a break, etc. why not you? And I think yeah. so often we get stuck in this place of Oh, well, they do it, but I'm not, I don't, I don't, I can't have that same luxury, right? I have to show up. I have to work 10 times harder. I have to do all these things. So talk to me about this, this mindset of, well, if they can do it, why not? Why not me?
1: Yeah. um, It's twofold. One for sure, if they can't, if, if you see somebody else that's got, I'm a, I was always a huge sneakerhead growing up. I love, I love shoes. I love sneakers. And so when you see somebody have shoes growing up, right. And you're like, oh man, I want to be a sneakerhead. I want to be able to collect that. And you start to ask yourself, well, what is preventing you from being able to get the newest shoes or being involved And that really small idea can kind of escalate, right. If somebody, if somebody is securing the bag, if somebody is doing this, what makes, what takes us outside of that group? And most of the time, the answer is us. Most of the time we've told ourselves that we aren't, we don't have the same degrees. We didn't go to the same schools. I don't know the same people. Um, I didn't inherit that the same way. Whatever these things are, most of the time is us telling us that. What if the narrative, what if that moment shifted and it was, well, why not me? Right? Like, what is that person just fundamentally better? Like, that doesn't make, it becomes illogical. Um, and so that was kind of a ground point. And then another thing, the reason why it's twofold is I think we think and look at other people and it's quick to assume that they were given it. Mm-hmm. Something happened in their life that gave that to them. They were, they were afforded that. So when is the force going to come and give that to me? Never. That's the answer. Never. The answer is never. A force will never come and give it to you. So instead, instead of waiting for it, instead of feeling so entitled to it, why not ask yourself, well, why aren't you getting it? Why aren't you doing it? Why? Why not you? Right. Somebody is waking up and working harder than you. Are you willing to have that tough conversation with yourself in the mirror? That's why. You know, nobody's giving it to them. And so you've got to constantly, you want the physique, you want the body. Well, why not you? You like to sleep and food is delicious. Oh my God, my favorite
0: analogy is the (laughs) gym analogy. And the like, I liken it to investing in the membership, but never walking in the door, first of all, right? There's, you you can invest in yourself all you want, right? In degrees and education and training and fitness and health, whatever. But if you don't walk through the door of that gym, it's, you're not getting anything out of it, but it's the same thing with, if you want the super toned hot body, it doesn't happen magically. I mean, maybe when I was 18, when I was 18, I could get away with a lot less exercise, but I didn't, I I didn't maintain that. Right. I didn't that my, my, my body has changed, but it's the, if I want to look that way, I have to pay attention to what I eat and I have to go to the gym every day, but I make that choice. And it's the same, like, if you want, if you want to hit the million dollar mark in your business, go figure out how to do that, but you have to do the work to get there. It's not, nobody's handing that to you overnight, right? If you look at the the business ideas that are successful overnight, it's so few and far between you have to be willing to put the work in. And so many times what I see is, I don't know if it's, if, if entitlement is the, the right or wrong word, but it's like, people are expecting it to just be handed to them. Correct. And I hate to bring it to people, but it, it rarely just gets handed to you. <laughs> it never does.
1: And if it does, it's probably not good. Mm-hmm. It's probably right. not good. Right. Like you might've been given the position might've fallen into your lap, but what you inherited was a mess. Right. So It it never does. You've got to, the why not you has to be just as hopeful as it is as holding yourself accountable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And law school showed me that when you get to law school, um, you're surrounded by everybody who was just as smart as you, that had all of the same accolades, that had all of the same test scores. Like all of a sudden you find yourself thinking that your, whatever effort you produce is going to be enough because it always has. And it doesn't. And you've really got to question yourself. What is what is hardworking? What is it to be somebody who gets the A's of the class? What is it to put forth that? So why not me? Well, I don't want to put in the work. And so you've got to that's where that started to formulate for me really concretely as far as accountability.
0: Yeah, I think that's super important. The other thing that you touched on before we got to doing the work was shifting the narrative. And so What, what has happened for me? There's been a few things throughout my life where I've gotten stuck in a place of self doubt and questioning my own, my, my own productivity because I took time off from the workforce to have kids and I, I have a gap on my resume and that held with me for so long and shifting that narrative into. Well, you know, I took seven years, seven years, not seven years, five years off, but I also managed two international moves. I learned a new language. I I had three kids like, so like looking no matter what your circumstances shift the narrative and turn it from what's, what's causing you self-doubt into well, what did you learn and how did you grow and how can you use that going forward?
1: It's so hard to do. Um, Yes, it is. (laughs) It takes a lot of self-awareness and forgiveness at the same fold to then find the power of shifting the narrative, right? So, I I held as my um, my weakness when I would walk into a room, I felt like I was struggling to make eye contact with my peers of profession professionals, because I endured homelessness and and traumas that they didn't, mm-hmm. and I felt that. I was always an imposter being in these spaces because it made me less than that was something that I carried. I felt less than, or, you know, whatever. I didn't look the same as everybody else. I don't, I'm not a heels and dresses type of person. I just and all of the women who were then in the spaces typically looked like that type of person through and through. I mean, they were camera ready at all times because they're the only woman in the group, and largely they had to do all of the interviews, right? So, right. I I was never that, but I was always in these spaces and always felt uncomfortable. Um, and then there was a moment where I realized that makes that gives me something extra. That allows me to connect with people outside of this room that the people in this room can't. So there's certain conversations that they need me at the table to have yep. because they have to get quiet and I've got to speak up right. um, and, and that's a power and that's a narrative that I can step into,
0: but it yep. takes a
1: lot of shame and acceptance and forgiveness to then
0: to get to there, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think finding that place where your voice does matter and, and where you feel like you can confidently speak up and share your voice, it's, it's really important. And yeah. the, the things that have happened to you in the past, your story doesn't necessarily, it defines who you are to this point, but it doesn't necessarily have to come with you into those new relationships, right? The like for a long time, I let this resume gap that I have come with me And I realized I got a promotion at one point and I, I was really questioning this promotion. And then I was like, wait, the guy, the guy who just promoted me has never even seen my resume. He has no idea. I didn't work for five years. You were telling yourself that I was telling myself the story and they, they only knew the work product. I had like somebody else had brought me on the team. They, they knew the the success I had contributed from the time I was there, that's what earned me the respect. But like, they didn't know anything about my history.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> and, and I and think was- that we get so hung up on our own stories, but most of the time the people we're talking to don't even know those stories. Exactly, exactly. We,
1: we, we disclose sometimes our insecurities because we're insecure about them. And so to sometimes overcompensate and show confidence, we just throw it out there, like, boom, <laughs> Look, I'm fine with it, but it happened. And it's like, okay, but nobody else knows that that happened. Right. Yep. Um, it's another law school is such a formative moment for me, a tip and trick. And I wish I was making this up, but when you are a student in law school, minority student or indifferent being a woman in law school counts as a minority in itself, but you're taught when you're looking at the law and answering your questions how do you get to the right answer? You ask yourself, what would a white man do? I'm not I'm not joking. Because the confidence that they exude going forward, they're not going to tell you about the, fa- like they're going to tell you about the facts, but they're not going to tell you about the fault because there isn't an insecurity to be able to perpetrate there. So we're just going to go forward. We're going to go forward. And then if you want to call me, and it's just, you kind of go forward and we all need to adopt that a little bit more, right? Like we've got to be able to exude the confidence to make decisions to go forward and keep trucking through. We don't have to expose ourselves because we feel insecurities. They don't.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. I, I love that. Do you know one of the one of the the first people that ever made me doubt my own worth in a meeting very early in my career was a middle-aged white man in South Carolina. And I often have conversations with this man now, just me and him, like in my head, the, the things I should have said, the things I should have done, but to have the confidence he had when I walked in that room and he questioned my worth, like it, I'll never forget the moment it happened because it really put me, I, I was like three months into my first job out of college and I was feeling really good and it, it just set me back so far. <laughs> yeah. Um. But middle-aged white man and I'll never, I'll never forget it. But Often he and I have conversations (laughs) that, that help me navigate tricky spaces. What would I tell him now?
1: What would he do? What would you tell? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's helpful. We want to, I think, I think it's easy to look at situations negatively. Right. So, um, it's easy to look at the room and feel like that's a woman. It's uncomfortable to speak and there's not space for us. Um, But in reality, I don't they're not walking into the rooms asking themselves, when is the appropriate time for me to make space? And where is that going to be created for me? And, oh, there's not space here. This is a mental conversation that we are only having with ourselves. And so I think it's even when you're presenting the problems and the issues to our male counterparts, they're kind of confused because their mind, they're not purposely trying to keep us out. They're not purposely trying to delegate and figure out like who's going to be speaking when and think about the house. They're not thinking about dinner or groceries or how that's going to be. So their minds aren't processing. When are we going to make sure that our counterparts are going to feel comfortable and confident to speak? And is there going to be space for them? Women do that. Women want to make sure that we all feel good about this and we're thinking about the depths (laughs) and dimensions, but they're not. It's not a purposeful personal attack right? So we've got to come in and take up the space for ourselves, knowing how they're going to be thinking. If we struggle to want men to want to think like us, why don't we start to say, why don't we allow ourselves to think like them? Why don't we give ourselves the same permission? Mm -hmm. Right? Like men will take a day off to go to the dentist. They will take the longest bathroom breaks in the world. Okay, but we feel uncomfortable to be able to do anything that has to deal with us. Self-care, take a minute, breathe.
0: Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Such a such a valid point. I think such a so much so much packed into what you just said. But I think really interesting shift of perspective perspective there. Um, And I, I appreciate that. So for those of you listening, you can find Nikki on social media, on LinkedIn and Instagram at Nikki.Childers. Definitely reach out, connect with her. She loves to talk all things IAW now that she's on the IAW team. Um, She's in Las Vegas area. Nikki, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Mm, My thing to
1: myself has always been to be great. Um, Through therapy, greatness is reaching my fullest potential. Um, so I had to define what to be great is, and that was a very pivotal thing that took a lot of therapy to do. So to be great
0: and know that greatness is fulfilling your own personal potential. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who listened today. And we will see you back here again next week with a new episode. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to unlimited horizons, a podcast hosted by the international association of women. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at www.iawomen.com.